Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. And you know what that means. Time to take that freeway of love, Dr. Kevin Mostreet, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Good morning to you, my friend. Welcome back. Yeah, I wish I was back, Dean. I'm headed back this afternoon, so I'm uh, still hanging out in North Carolina, but I'll be back uh, like 5 o'clock tonight. I imagine you are uh, probably having a nice time while you're there, though, right? I know it's raining today, but it was 80 the last couple of days. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's not a bad thing to do to get away and work from a distance for a while. Yeah. So I get to work from here for a couple of days every month. So you're back, so not at, bad. back at 5 o'clock today, you said? Yep. Because I'm, I'm hopping a flight right around that same time. You could rendezvous at the airport. Are you at O'Hare or Midway? I'm at O'Hare. I'm at Midway. <laughs> well, Mel, I'll see you next time then. That probably won't work. <laughs> probably. See you in another six years. <laughs> so uh, on a serious note, I wanted to start yeah. off today uh, talking about the sudden death, fairly sudden death, of talk show host Jerry Springer. Uh, he uh, apparently was a bit battling uh, pancreatic cancer, and uh, as is the case often with pancreatic uh, cancer patients, uh, it comes quickly. Uh, it comes with virtually no notice, or by the time you do know that you have something, uh, it's too late. Where are we right now? We've made such strides in fighting cancer, but uh, it just seems like pancreatic cancer is the one we can't quite get a grip on. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because of a couple of things. One is the symptoms, by the time an individual has symptoms, the cancer has spread beyond the pancreas often and is just devastating because it's elsewhere. Some individuals, let's say you have some abdominal pain or you have a kidney stone, even you go in and incidentally they find a small tumor on the pancreas. So it's found on an incidental finding. It can often be treated. When it's advanced, it's a little bit more difficult. So really, we're looking for what can we do to identify these earlier besides just doing CAT scans or MRIs on everybody. And really, some of the newer testing with DNA testing of the bloodstream is probably going to be advancing this so that we can identify in the blood DNA from pancreatic cancer cells. Not there yet. There's a couple companies that are getting a little bit closer, but unfortunately, it is still... It's an awful disease. It's very rare. But people that have it, if you've known people that have it, it's uh, it's devastating. Yeah. You know, you know, the outcomes are not good. There was a, uh, a big uh, walk uh, at Soldier Field yesterday for pancreatic cancer uh, in which uh, many survivors uh, showed up to speak before the actual uh, 5K walk that took place. So I mean, it's not uh, it's it's not impossible to beat pancreatic cancer, but I guess it's pretty rare, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not impossible at all. I don't want to send that message out. We have extremely talented um, oncologic surgeons that that will do a surgery to remove this, and then couple that with chemotherapy and radiation, and. You know, the life expectancy at five years and 10 years, that's often what we track with cancers. That is certainly going up with pancreatic cancer as the advancements are being made with chemo and with the skill of very talented surgeons. But uh, unfortunately, in some individuals, by the time they 
get it. It's in their liver. It is elsewhere. It has spread. Um, but many individuals were still being able to extend their life uh, quite a bit. I have a very good friend whose wife had pancreatic cancer diagnosed, I want to say, 15 years ago. Oh, wow. And it was doing wow. well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great news. Apparently, for Jerry Springer, it went uh, pretty fast, as is the case with almost a, a, any case of pancreatic cancer that I've heard. Is it uh, is is it the, the the most fatal of the cancers right now? Almost almost everything is has become pretty treatable. Uh, it's not non-existent. Yeah. It's not a treat, you know, like a diabetes or anything like that right now. Yeah. But uh, you know, I I think about. When we first started doing our breast cancer specials, what, 20, 25 years ago, something like that, uh, it was pretty bad. And uh, now it's pretty controllable, breast cancer. Where, where are we in terms of uh, the, you know, quote, the cancers that you want to get and quote, the cancers you don't want to get? Yeah, you know, and like you said, if you do, if you talk about colon cancer, breast cancer, cervical cancer, lung cancer, ones that we can screen and capture early, that's great. You know, the ones that are still the, the really, the ones that I just cringe when I hear somebody has one is GBM, uh, glioblastoma multiforme, that's a brain cancer. Mm. The surgeons are great at taking out that tumor, but often they can't get it all because they can't see where the tumor actually extends to. Mm. So that's a bad one. Pancreas as well, again, both of those, because by the time you get symptoms, it is spread and it advanced. You know, and you look at something like malignant melanoma, you know, skin cancer that used to be very deadly and very fatal. Now we're doing much more better skin uh, cancer screening, as well as now we have what we call Mohs surgeons that can make sure that they're removing that. And we're really getting into vaccines for melanoma. Mm. So very promising things that uh, have been shown in melanoma, which we're really going to hopefully expand to pancreas, to GBM, to some of these more difficult cancers. Yeah, is that something that people should ask their dermatologists about, a, uh, a vaccine for uh, uh, skin cancer? No, because actually it's the opposite. It's What happens is we find somebody with melanoma, we take those cells out, we then make a vaccine that goes and looks for more cells in the body. Hmm. So it's not a preventative vaccine. It's actually a treatment vaccine. I see. So the preventment vaccine is what they're working on now, saying if we can identify this vaccine to go out and attack cancer cells, can we use this as a preventative vaccine instead of one of our arms of treatment? Hmm. They're not quite there yet, but uh, something that we're certainly looking at is going to be the importance of vaccines in uh, cancer. A 630 texter says, does Dr. Most know anything about uh, experimental CAR T cell therapy for pancreatic cancer? Says my son successfully had that therapy for lymphoma last summer. Yes, yes. So CAR T cell therapy is, is probably going to be the tipping point for all of this. And it's really, it's, it's been really worked well with lymphoma. It's worked with some leukemias now. Um, but certainly it is trying to essentially get rid of your bad cells, replace them with cells that are going to work. So they, they collect your white blood cells. They then take your T cells and they send them somewhere. And then they come back and essentially give them back to you uh, to help go and fight any of those lymphoma cells that are still around. It is certainly going to be something that is going to be fascinating for a lot of different cancers. 
We'll uh, talk much more about that as we learn more about it. Uh, I want to take a quick break and we come back. Uh, I want to talk a little about Parkinson's uh, as we say goodbye to the month of April. We also acknowledge that April is uh, Parkinson's Awareness Month. And I just want to you know, briefly uh, go over that. Uh, there is news about uh, an uh, Omicron booster which has uh, now been approved a second Omicron booster. And we'll also get to your phone calls and texts for Dr. Kevin Most, 312-981-7200. Happy Sunday morning to you, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital, on the line with us as always. And uh, a question uh, about pancreatic cancer from the 407 area code, can lifestyle factors lead to pancreatic cancer, such as poor diet? Well, we know that there are risk factors. Often diet is not one of them, but we know that alcohol, tobacco certainly are. Um, I guess poor diet from a cardiovascular point of view is not going to impact pancreatic as much, but really it does come down to alcohol and smoking are two of the highest risk factors for it. Okay. Let's uh, go to, uh, let me see here, Jim. Uh, 312-981-7200. You're on with Dr. Kevin Most. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking the call here. Sorry to hijack the conversation away from way more important stuff. But I'm curious, Doc, as to why we're not seeing any kind of media push or even coming from the clinic push for the, for the new booster. Uh, I, I am a pharmacist. We, we did all of 15 last week, and it, it, it's just pitiful. You know, Jim, it's one of the reasons we have it on today, it, and uh, I agree with you. You know, it caught a little blip, but it really didn't do much. And what he's talking about is that the Omicron booster has now been approved here in the United States for a second booster. If you remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago, Canada, the U.K., other countries had gone ahead and approved that. Right. And we just sat we just sat on the sidelines, and um, I was going, why? We have vaccines sitting on shelves not being used. Why aren't we using this knowing that the antibodies wane. So hopefully individuals who are listening today know that you can get a second booster if you're over the age of 65, four months after your first booster. And those of you who also are immunocompromised, you can get it two months after. Now, the definition of immunocompromised is very wide. I define it as individuals with diabetes, heart disease, obesity. So really, there aren't very many people over the age of 60 who are not somewhat immunocompromised and could be getting that second booster. We all think yeah, that's a really gone. good point. Okay. Yeah, we all think COVID's gone. And I can tell you, Jim, last week we had 20 COVID patients in the hospital still. So it's still out there, still in the community. Yeah. And we need to make sure we get that vulnerable population protected. What's your guess? Well, we're waiting. I, 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 <laughs> Send I'd be, them in. I'd be, I'd be curious of what both of you think, uh, why people are avoiding it. Are, do, do people, are people just sick of talking about COVID? Uh, you know, is it, is it, is it denial? Is it, is it a form of denial that, you know, people don't want to, uh, you know, don't want to find out that they might be positive. So, you know, it's better just to put your head in the sand. Sorry, go ahead. No, there's, there's a lot of people that are just vaxxed out. I get it. But that core population that's been the first to jump at the vaccines whenever they've come out are not showing up because they're not hearing about it. The few people that I'm getting are ones that see my signs all over the pharmacy that said, hey, the new booster's here. And I believe it's very effective against this India Omicron version. Isn't that correct, Doc? It is. 
it, it is, Jimmy. You're right. You're spot on on all your comments. And one, I think it is more of a lack of awareness. The population that, that can get this has usually has not only responded to it well, but has also responded to step up to get it. And the other thing I can't highlight enough to everybody listening is the importance of pharmacists. Pharmacists are a wealth of information that you can go and ask questions to. They know so much. They know a lot about the vaccine, certainly, but they also know about the medications you're taking. And ask them about side effects and ask them about drug interactions. We don't use pharmacists well enough for the education that they're provided. Most of the pharmacists are, have doctorates in pharmacy. So really, we should, well, first of all, Jim, thanks for your service. But two, we need to make sure that you guys are not only honored and respected in the right way, but also that we use you as an asset in the community. Here is uh, a, a text uh, from 815. My husband and I received our second booster last week. No side effects other than a slightly sore arm. This was our sixth COVID vaccine. Grateful for science. As, uh, you know, I, I, I was about to ask you, what about side effects? I think that's keeping you know people away also from getting additional vaccines because we've heard so many side effect stories. But here at least is one story. Uh, one, you know, two people, a husband and wife, who got their vaccines, and all they had was a slight uh, a sore arm, which is all I had when I had all of my uh, vaccines and boosters. Yeah, and you know, Dean, you and I both have had COVID, and I'll tell you what, I'll trade a sore arm for a day or two, yep. but I will for the symptoms of COVID anytime. Yeah, I agree, Jim. Great question. Really appreciate you calling in. Have a great day today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let me see him go to Mary Jo. You are next on WGN. Thank you. Dr. Motes, a question. How long after you quit these terrible vices, smoking and drinking, are you safe? Well, Mary Jo, it really depends on a couple of things. One is how long you smoked and one is how much you drank. But if you, took, if you look at smoking, we go by something called pack years. And a pack year is a pack a day for a year is one pack year. So if you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day for 10 years, you're going to be at 20 pack years. We've seen that the incidence of lung cancer really goes up after about 30 pack years. That's a total exposure. But we do know, however, that people who quit smoking, within five to 10 years, a lot of that lung capacity will come back and you do well, and you certainly have decreased your exposure, so your pack year history as well as the continued exposure to chemicals in the lungs. Alcohol, a little bit different um, because the liver turns over as quickly as it does, and that's usually where the damage is done with alcohol is in the liver. So individuals who stop drinking, certainly the liver can regenerate to a point where it works fine, and really it'll decrease all the chances for any other cancers that are alcohol-related because it's that continued toxin exposure which is causing the decrease in the efficiency of the cells to reproduce properly, which leads to cancer. Does that make sense for well, you, Mary, Mary Jo? Thank you. You made my life changes sound very positive. <laughs> how, hey, Mary Jo, congratulations for stop smoking. You know, and if you quit drinking as well, that's great. If you say, hey, I still want to have a little glass of wine every so often, okay. But if you stop smoking, no good has come out of smoking. They'll still argue a little bit that red wine still helps a little bit every so often with heart disease. So if you quit both of those, that's great. But certainly the smoking is the biggest one for you to quit, and congratulations. Congrats to you. Yeah, it for, was a big deal. For, for how I long, start. Mary Jo, have you been off the SIGs? 
1982. Oh, wow. Pretty long time. That's good for you. Well, That's great. I, I started at 16 to join my parents. Yeah. Well, you know, it was very glamorous back then. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> very Certainly cool. was. All Mom, the cool kids Mom were doing had, it. Yeah, Mom had the cigarette holder. Oh, wow. That <laughs> was hard. That's, oh, hard. Yeah. That's hardcore. Yeah. Mary Jo, congratulations to you, and thank you very much for the good call. So uh, April is Parkinson's Disease Awareness Month. Uh, Just this past week, we learned that comedian Richard Lewis uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He made the disclosure. That's why he's no longer doing stand-up comedy. That's why he's not touring anymore. Michael J. Fox, of course, probably is the most... Uh, uh, out in front of uh, sharing that he's got the disease. Uh, Neil Diamond is currently living with Parkinson's. Uh, Muhammad Ali had it. Alan Alda is living with it. Are we making strides with Parkinson's, uh, Kev? We are a little bit, Dean. And, you know, it's interesting. Out of all those people we listed, I would bet you have interviewed probably half of them, if not all of them. And really, the impact of Michael J. Fox, the Michael J. Fox Foundation, is making is really making strides. You know, this is a disease that we've known about for over 200 years. And if you think about that, 200 years, and we haven't really figured out a lot about it. Well, recently, the Michael J. Fox Foundation found a protein called the Parkinson's protein that is in the spinal fluid of individuals prior to them getting Parkinson's. Now you say, well, what good is that going to do? It's at least going to give us a starting point to say, why is this occurring? What can we do to to treat it, to slow it, to stop it? Because what we're finding now is by the time we make the diagnosis, which is, again, after people start to have symptoms, that 60 to 80 percent of the damage in the brain has already been done. So then we give you medicines called dopamine, which work for a while, but then stop working because, again, of continued damage as well as tolerance. And we really try to go with other therapies like kickboxing, you might have seen, boxing, a lot of more physical activities. And then DBS is our only other uh, really possible treatment right now. So we're making a little bit, but I think this the Parkinson's protein being identified in the spinal fluid, now can we identify it in the blood? And if we can, what can we do to now stop that from happening? Uh, you can get a lot more information if you go to uh, the Michael J. Fox Foundation's website and uh, look it all up. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Safe travels today, Kev. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. You travel safe, too. We'll see you till talk soon. All right, pal. Thank you so much, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital.